And welcome to episode eight of Ladies Who League. A happy Easter to all of you. I'm actually Greek Orthodox, so I couldn't work out why no one wanted to come into the studio with me this morning. I kept asking people and, and everyone was strangely busy. I just couldn't work it out. But one person that has had time to pop in is Erin. Good morning, Erin. Good morning, Mary. Thank you so much for making the time this morning. No problems at all. I thought we'd start off with our normal newspaper segment. Erin, you've got the paper open in front of you. Is there anything that's caught your eye? Of course there is. Plenty that Uh, has caught your eye, I can imagine. A wonderful piece by Neil Cordy called The Resident Kennedys about uh, Josh Kennedy and his father. Mm -hmm. Um, If Kennedy takes the field for the Swans tonight, um, they'll have racked up 400 games between them. Um, And there aren't many father-son combinations in history that have gotten to the 400 game mark. That's a pretty incredible number. In AFL land, is 400 a a big number of games? Because in NRL land, 400 is massive. Yeah. So for an individual player, 300 is the Mm -hmm. really big mark. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the record is three. I've forgotten what the record is. Let's say 347. No, it's more than that. 363? Um, I thought it was 386, but it might even, there might be a couple of players who've got to four. Let's go with 386 because um, I'm just guessing here. But I know Brent Harvey's on track to, uh, to maybe break that game's record this year, which would be remarkable. I don't think that'll happen again, mm-hmm. um, in my lifetime. But yeah, the, the Kennedy article's great. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Josh Kennedy. He was a player who was sort of on the outs at Hawthorne and then, um, his father and grandfather both played for Hawthorne, so had this real history with them, but then came to the Swans and really became a leader and one of the really strong players in the competition and helped us win the flag in 2012. So it's really great to see him racking up the uh, big number of games and all, he's at 241 himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and also to, to have that legacy of him and his father. What a good AFL story. And the Giants and the Swans are both in action this afternoon, aren't they? I'm telling you, after this, I'm going home. I'm sitting in front of the TV and I'm not moving for the rest of the day. Putting the pyjamas on, getting the Easter eggs cracking. It should be a really good afternoon of of AFL. And there's also a lot of good NRL happening this afternoon. And that sort of brings me into the story that I want to talk about because I love a sort of warm and fuzzy feel-good story. And for me, the real feel-good story this week has been Aloni Vunakisi from the Sydney Roosters, who'll be making his debut this afternoon. Now, it's a bit bizarre because I don't know whether you've all seen a picture of Aloni. I'll I'll tweet a picture of him later. He's got this fantastic afro. And the story with Aloni is that he's actually a garbage man and he's been working essentially for many, many years to make his first grade debut and it's finally happened. But you'll all also remember Matt King, who was also a garbage man and then made his debut for the Storm all those years ago. Similar hair. Like, I'm not sure what the deal is. It's kind of awesome. Yeah, it's kind of awesome. Look, I've written many stories in the past about NRL players with fantastic hair. I think I'll have to do a new one because Aloni's going to have to feature this year now that he's going to make his first grade debut. He does have a spectacular hair. Like, it's it's phenomenal. So, Aloni, good luck this afternoon. Wishing you all the best. Uh, the Sydney Roosters are in action against Manly, which is a really tough game to tip. I think I've tipped the Roosters. Um, fingers crossed they get over the line. And I'd love to see Aloni score a try in his debut game. Now, that would be pretty special. Wouldn't that be great? 
Now let's take a quick break because we've got so much to talk about today. So we'll wrap it up there and come back and talk rugby league. And a big thanks to one of our listeners, uh, at Peter Kay, who's just let us know that Michael Tuck from Hawthorne holds the record for the most number of games played in the AFL, 426. So I was a little bit off there, Aaron. I, uh, I really should have known that. I failed as an AFL historian Look, today. that's okay. I think I fail as an NRL historian most days. But now time to talk NRL, and we've got Pam Whaley joining us from Wagga in her car. Good morning, Pam. Good morning. I'm actually escaping my loud family so I can get some quiet time with you guys. I hope you've um, eaten lots of Easter eggs this weekend. I have. A lot of cake, a lot of Easter eggs, a lot of bread, a lot of hot cross buns. It's been great. That's the way to go and we're still only on day two of a four-day long weekend so I hope there are many more Easter eggs to come. Yeah, many more runs to come as well, I think. Yeah, we'll talk about that next week. Forget that. Just enjoy your long weekend. Now, Pam, I thought we'd start with the big issues in rugby league this week. For me, Mm -hmm. I don't know whether we still need to talk about it, but I still find this whole no touching of the referee thing really, really weird. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Uh, well, I find it weird too. I mean, it's just, uh, I don't know, it seems like it should have been around for a long time. It was just kind of an understood thing, I think. Mm. And then all of a sudden now we're talking about it. It's just odd that it's popped up out of nowhere, basically. And I think the weird thing is just how inconsistent the approach has been in relation Mm -hmm. to players touching the referee. So my, my point of view is sort of that there should be absolutely no touching of the referee. Of course, you know, if it's an accident or, you know, you run into them, like that's a little bit different. But there should be no player approaching the referee to touch them, and we've sort of had Trent Merrin do it. We've had David Clemmer do it. We've had Kieran Foran do it. But we only really saw Dave Clemmer and Kieran Foran get charged. So I think we've got to take a consistent stance: no touching. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But I think sometimes they're—I don't know—it's hard because I, I'm a big believer in common sense, you know. Mm, and yep. it's—I don't know where it's gone in this conversation. I mean, for some of them, like the Kieran, Kieran Foran, I mean. Real, like really? Why would you why? be getting a grade one? That, yeah. You know, yeah. It just doesn't make any sense to me. But I mean, hopefully, I think the point is is that if people are getting charged for this and could potentially spend time on the sidelines, just keep your hands to yourself. Just let's just be safe about it and just you know don't touch the referee. I mean, I don't think it's that difficult. But you know, if there's going to be so much inconsistency around it, just keep your hands to yourself and oh. let it. That be it. I like it. Keep your hands to yourself, no touching. That's the ladies who lead position yeah. on touching the referees. <laughs> the other big thing this week, Pam, has been in relation to Sammy Radradra and state of origin mm-hmm. eligibility. It must almost be state of origin time because there's, of course, some sort of debate about a player's eligibility. <laughs> um, I thought yeah. I'd start off with the rules. So, Pam, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and work out where you would be eligible to play state of origin. Mm-hmm. Now, were you born okay. in New South Wales or Queensland? New South Wales. Okay, so we go to a yes. Which state were you born in? New South Wales? Sorry, what was that? Which state were you born in? So I was born in New South Wales. Okay, so that means that you are eligible to play for New South Wales if, you know, you've played rugby league. So that's that's Pam's eligibility out of the way. But someone's eligibility that is a little bit more complicated is Semi Radradra from, from the Parramatta Eels. Now, Semi was born in Fiji and he didn't play any rugby league before the age of 13. And usually that's sort of the age where, you know, your eligibility is determined. 
Um, mm-hmm. there, there have been reports this week that Sammy was considering leaving the Eels and playing rugby union over this whole state of origin eligibility thing. What are your thoughts, Pam? Well, actually, not that long after those reports surfaced and the Eels kind of came out with a with a statement and said, that is absolute, you know, whatever. I was very and, happy to read uh, that. I was very happy to read that, <laughs> yeah. as you can imagine. But, I mean, uh, I, I don't know. I think it's a, the reason why State of Origin is such a massive beast is because it is so special. And there are, you know, some – it means that some of our best players can't play and – um, you know, Sam Burgess can't play, mm-hmm. James Graham can't play. It's just the way that it is. And I mean, if we try to bend the rules, I think to include people because they want to play, then it loses that what makes it so special in the first place. And I mean, if, if someone wants to leave because they can't play state of origin, I mean, see ya. Like, yeah, no look, one's bigger than the game. I completely agree with that. So I was really, really happy when Sammy came out this week and said, you know, that Parramatta has helped him with everything, bringing him here, teaching him rugby league, playing good football, and, you know, how good the Eels fans have been to him. That that was exactly the response that I wanted from him because no one individual is bigger than our game. And, you know, they are the rules. They're the eligibility rules. If you don't meet the criteria, then perhaps that's just something you need to accept about the game, that you're not going to be playing state of origin. Yeah, well, exactly, and I think that that the way that the eligibility rules are now, I think they're I think they're spot on. I mean, Luke Curie wanted to play for Queensland, and he cannot because he is not eligible. He's eligible for New South Wales. So, if you want to play Origin, you play for your Origin. You don't play for where you would like to play. And I think that it, yeah, I feel like that that's what makes it so special now. So, you know, none of the the things that have happened in the past with Greg Inglis, let's go there. You know, it's not going to happen in the future, I don't think. I think with the way that we've got it now is perfect. I think my favourite ever, Pam, are the Sims Brothers. <laughs> so, oh. so Corbin plays for Queensland and Tariq plays for New South Wales. They were both mm-hmm. born in Gerringong, which is south of Sydney. They're only two years mm-hmm. apart and they both played their first football for the Gerringong Lions. Yeah, one of them is playing for Queensland and one of them is playing for New South Wales. It's just a little bit bizarre. So it sounds like the eligibility rules aren't terribly strictly enforced. Well, that's the thing. So that he, I think he does qualify for Queensland though because he played his first, well, he played some football in Brisbane. senior football or something like that. <laughs> that's so, right. Oh, God. Like, who knows? What but, a mess. What a mess. And, the, yeah, it's a sticky subject between the boys too, I think. They all kind of think Corbin is just crazy. But, I mean, yeah, it is what it is. It is what it is, a bit of a hot mess. But let's take yeah. a quick break um, and then we can come back a bit later in the show and talk about the two massive games that happened yesterday. And it's time for another week of Mary's Mix-Up. I think this is one of my favourite segments. So the first thing that I wanted to mention was big congrats to number two ranked golfer Jason Day who for his um, three and two victory over Graham McDowell at the World Golf Championships earlier this week. Um, there were concerns earlier in the week because he tweaked his back during the victory, but I'm hearing that all is going to be okay. The other thing that I wanted to bring up was Jess Gallagher, who we chatted about on the show last week. 
Um, it's been a very special week for Jess Gallagher. Uh, she's a former Winter Olympian and this week won her first world cycling medal and then shocked everyone when she and partner Madison Jansen won another gold and broke the world record at the Paris Cycling World Championships in Italy. That's Phenomenal. Amazing. No, it really is. And this came up less than a year after Gallagher, who's legally blind, decided to start pushing for Rio. So what a talented athlete. That's incredible. Phenomenal. Um, it's been also a mixed week for our Southern Stars this week, who went down to New Zealand to the New Zealand White Firms earlier in the week by six wickets. They bounced back with a nine-wicket win over Sri Lanka, um, and they're back in action tonight. So we wish them all the best against Ireland. And um, the men's oh, yep. the men won last night, and so they're still in the competition. So. Which is good. So the women are on tonight, 9 p.m., so make sure you tune into that. And the last thing I wanted to mention is that Jared Hayne will have a clean slate with the San Francisco 49ers who now have a new coach, Chip Kelly. Now, Chip for me is one of those American names. It's like Herb. Like Chip is an all-American name. So keep your eye out on Jared Hayne and, you know, we wish him all the best also in his continuing NFL journey. And Erin, I'm going to sweep to you. I was going to say while we're on American sports, Mm -hmm. there was an amazing article on ESPN this week about Steph Curry and how Nike lost – um, him as a their sponsorship deal with him, um, and Under Armour actually wound up getting signing him, and they think he's worth about fourteen billion dollars to their business. Phenomenal! Um, it's an incredible article, really good piece of sports journalism, really interesting. So, highly recommend that. Um, I love a bit of Steph Curry. The best thing about him though is his daughter Riley, who is the most adorable child in sport. So we've got Steph Curry's daughter, we've got Steph Curry's shoes, and we've also talked about Steph Curry's mouth guard on the show before. I don't know what's going to be next for Steph Curry, maybe his headband, but look, I'm not going to give away future shows. Looking forward to the NBA finals, also looking forward to the uh, end of the um, NCAA tournament, March Madness. Mm -hmm. Uh, Go Oregon. And we've still got Pam on the line because I wanted to have a chat about the two epic games that happened yesterday. Pam, isn't rugby league the greatest thing in the history of the world ever after those two games we saw yesterday? You've absolutely nailed it, Mary. It's the greatest thing in the history of the world. I mean, you can't script some of the things that happen on this field. It is just insane. I think everyone kind of lost their minds when it was going to go to Golden Point. That's just insane. Well, so that was last night's second game. So the Bull, sorry, not the Bulldogs, the Broncos defeated the Cowboys 21-20 in the grand final replay. Pam, were you pinching Mm -hmm. yourself at the 80th minute like I was? I was freaking out, yeah, like I was losing my mind. I did not (laughs) see it happening like that. I mean, I think everyone assumed that the game would be close, Mm -hmm. but to go to Golden Point again, to have the Cowboys kick off again, it is just, yeah, that that was that was pretty crazy. But, I mean, what a game. It was amazing. And Anthony Milford, again, just so impressive. What a talented young player he is. I'm tipping him for the Dally M this year. You heard it here from me first. <laughs> well, I, I actually am as well. But I thought that it was nice that, I mean, I still believe that he was the best player on the paddock in the grand final. And then mm-hmm. if the result went the other way, he would have been the Clive Churchill medalist. So I thought it was fitting that he was the he was the star in that game too. And Jonathan Thurston, I thought, had a pretty quiet first half, but it was good to see the Cowboys sort of come back in that second half. Yeah, well, exactly the same way as it did in the grand final. I mean, he had, um, you know, the last few touches were 
were all him and he brought the Cowboys back and that's exactly what happened last night as well. And Michael Morgan, I, my jaw just dropped a number of times during that game. He's so fast. He really is. Yeah, well, as as we've said so many times before, he's just the perfect kind of accompaniment to Jonathan Thurston there and, you know, who knows what he could be. He's just an, He really is an amazing player and so um, his utility value is amazing. So, no, that was an incredible game. And then the game earlier, 42-12, the Bulldogs defeated the Rabbitohs. Now, I don't know whether I'm living in a fantasy world, Pam, but I didn't see this coming. Am I the only one? No, well, I kind of did. I thought that the Dogs would get a big win, but I did not think that it would be this big. I figured without Sam Burgess um, and the Dogs having lost the week before that they were going to come out and have it. You know, Des is just a master of getting getting this team up for you know big games, and I I figured that they would come out and have a have a big game, but I did not expect the Rabbitohs to have you know kind of put on a performance like that. I thought it would be a little bit closer than what the score eventually ended up being. The Bunnies just looked lost. I I, I thought they yeah. were at the Easter show for the for the entirety of that first <laughs> half. At least in the second half they came out and, you know, showed a bit of fight and actually, you know, won in inverted commas the second half. But um the Bulldogs yeah. were pretty special in that first half, I thought. Yeah, exactly. Well they they just are they have such an inspirational leader, I think, in James Graham and what he does for that team is um, it would just be absolutely irreplaceable to try and find someone like him. And I saw on Twitter, I was actually watching watching the game and then I was on Twitter and someone said as soon as he kind of went off, I think it was late in the second half, mm-hmm. and then the Rabbitohs scored a few tries and someone was like, oh, my gosh, we've got to get James Graham back on the field. Obviously, they were fine. They were never going to lose <laughs> that game. But such is his kind of influence, I think, out there that he um, you can – sense the drop in tempo when he leaves the field always. I was really pleased to see Josh Reynolds have such a good game. He was celebrating his 100th game yesterday and, and he was absolutely on yesterday, which I loved. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think he um, he's obviously been through highs and lows in his career, but he no one could ever question um, his passion and how much heart that he plays with all of the time. And I think that he takes losses personally and he mm-hmm. would take wins to heart as well. So good for him, good for him for, you know, coming out and showing what he's capable of. Yeah, no, good. And Pam, I don't know whether you've met Josh Reynolds off the field, but he was one of the most impressive players I ever met. We had him at a work event. There were kids around. He stayed absolutely to the very end, high-fiving, following kids on Instagram, autographs. He was amazing. He's just one of my favourites. So Yeah, I've met him a couple of times and done a few stories with him and he's always so great to chat to as well because he's so honest and he, um, yeah, he's just such a good speaker and he just, he does, he speaks with his heart. He's kind of a very, I feel like he's a very emotional person as well. So when he um, chats to someone, he gives them their, his undivided attention and, yeah, I think that's pretty rare. Yeah, that, that's the sort of story that I love. And, Pam, we've got some big games happening over the rest of the weekend. Which games are you most looking forward to? Oh, I just, I do not know. So I'm looking at the list of games right now. I'm really actually looking forward to um, Tigers Para. 
Me and too. I'd be happy to hear that, Mary. <laughs> but <laughs> I think that, uh, I don't know. I mean, I think that Raiders Titans, I'm kind of interested in watching today as well. I just kind of, I really enjoy watching the Raiders play. Mm-hmm. And I think the Titans have been great over the first few rounds. So I'm interested to see what happens there. And I think Sharks and Storm will be a fantastic game as well. I mean, they always have classic classic games between them. So, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that one too. I found it a hard week to tip, Pam, because I feel like all the teams are are fairly sort of evenly matched. It could go really either way. Yeah, that's that's very true. And, I mean, as we kind of saw last night, it's it's pretty difficult to to predict what's going to happen in any game. So um, I think that's a great thing. I don't think there'll be too many tipsters out there who get eight from eight this weekend. Oh, well, I'm two from two so far, so let's see how we go oh, for the rest of the weekend. Look out. Look what have you got? Um, who do I have? So I've tipped the Roosters. I've tipped the Raiders. I've tipped the Panthers. I've tipped the Eels. And which game am I missing? Warriors, Knights, Chucks. Um, so I've tipped, I feel like I've tipped the Storm and I've tipped the Warriors mm-hmm. as well. Okay, radio. So you prob- might be on the money there. I've jinxed myself now, so that that's it. <laughs> that's it, Pam. Well, thanks so much for joining us. I hope you have a wonderful Easter, and we look forward to having thanks. you in the studio super soon again. Definitely, yeah. Invite me back anytime. I'm I'm into it. Thanks, Pam. Talk soon. Bye. Okay. Bye bye. All right, we'll take a quick break, and then we'll come back, and we will talk. I think we're going to talk about tennis. Radio Hub is Australia's premier podcasting facility. With high-quality sound equipment and pre- and post-production services, Radio Hub is a one-stop shop for all your podcasting needs. Get real-time training and experience with Radio Hub's custom training packages. So if you're ready to jump into the exciting realm of podcasting, contact Radio Hub on 0402 870 or email info at radiohub.com.au. Now, I'd just really like to begin this segment by saying a big thank you to all the men out there that have paved the way for podcasts like this. Um, I wouldn't be here and I wouldn't be able to podcast without the male rugby league podcast. So a big thank you to all of you out there. We all know that that everyone, the, the male podcasts have the real audience mm-hmm. and uh, when women podcast, we're just riding on their coattails. Yeah, so so we've, we should be grateful. Uh, and I am grateful. I'm so, I'm so grateful. Now, if you can't sense the sarcasm that is seeping out of my skin at the it's moment. It's dripping. It's just dr- I'm drenched in sarcasm. The biggest dork of the week award this week goes to Raymond Moore, who's CEO of the India Wells. Now, he came out this week before the B&P Paribas Open, which is tennis, and said that female tennis players were lucky and owed their success to the male players in the game. I, I need to use the quote, actually, because... I, it's it, incredible. Like, okay, so here we go. In, the, in my next life, when I come back, I want to be someone in the Women's Tennis Association because they ride on the coattails of men. They don't make any decisions and they are lucky. If I were a lady player... I would go down on I would I'd go down every night on my knees and thank God that Roger Federer and Rafa Nadal were born because they have carried this sport. They really have. Now, there's so much to say about that, but what I think is most astounding is that he made these comments merely hours before Victoria Azarenka and Serena Williams played in the women's final at that tournament. Yeah. It's a bit of a problem. Like if you're looking at tennis over the last 
15 years and you're not saying Serena Williams is the standout player, I don't know what sport you're looking at. But that's the thing I think I found oddest about this. In terms of sport, tennis, I think, is one of the few sports where the male and female athletes are sort of seen you know, at the same level and, and the females are stars and the males are stars. I mean, let's look at, you know, football, for example. Everyone's been talking about the Matildas, but prior to their qualification for Rio, very few people would have known the names and the players and, you know, how well the Matildas were going. But everyone knows who Serena Williams is. Everyone knows who Victoria Azarenka is. I just found this whole thing just really weird. And I I know that the argument always comes up that it's not equal work for equal pay because men play five sets, but that's such a stupid argument because a set is such an arbitrary measure. Mm -hmm. They're not arguing based on time. They're not arguing based on points played. Mm -hmm. They're not arguing based on points won. They're arguing based on sets, which is – it's just an argument against paying women fairly. It's entirely disingenuous. And then, you know what, I'm the super coach queen on this show and I always will be super coach queen, but we have a new general queen of this show and that is Serena Williams who just came out and laid down the smackdown on this guy. Oh, she was – so great. She was so good. So her comment was, I don't think any woman should be down on their knees thanking anybody like that. Spot on. I think Venus, myself, and a number of players, if I could tell you every day how many people say they don't watch tennis unless they're watching myself or my sister, I couldn't even bring out that number. So spot on to to Serena Williams, who's also had a very busy week actually commenting in relation to other you know, people, other males in the tennis profession, because we also had Novak Djokovic make some interesting comments. Look, men should just stay away from talking about women's hormones in public. I think that should just be a general rule. I think that's, we're making a lot of rules today, but I think that's another good rule. It's, it's pretty, it's a safe one, I feel. Um, so Novak has come out and said that the men's, the men's games have more spectators, so the men should be paid more than the women because of that. Is that sort of right, Erin? Am I being fair? Yeah, yeah. Okay, because I just didn't want to misconstrue the comments. Um, Serena then came out and said, if Novak's got a daughter, which he doesn't, I think he's got a son, but sit your son and your daughter down and, and, and tell your son that he's entitled to more pay than the daughter. Like, it just doesn't work. Like, yeah. I found the comments bizarre. That being said, I mean, at least tennis does have pay equality, mm-hmm. unlike most sports. You know, we mentioned the Matildas, but, um, you know, they weren't were striking to get a living wage last year, like right. minimum wage. But, you know, so for all the negatives around this particular conversation, I do think tennis is head and shoulders ahead of most sports. And that's why I think I found Raymond Moore's comments so weird. Like, because tennis is one of the leaders, so I just couldn't understand. I think he's a grumpy old man whose place in the game is becoming increasingly redundant. And uh, After he stepped down, even more so. Yep. <laughs> um, and another person that actually laid the smack down this week was Andy Murray, who came out and said that the crowds are coming to watch the women as well, as they are. So thank you, Andy Murray. Um, I've often been a little bit critical of him in the past because he actually comes across a bit grumpy, but I was really happy to hear him make those comments. Do you know, I have this thing about Andy Murray. Ever since I read that he was in the school shooting as a child, I'm like... He can be as grumpy as he wants. Like, you get a life pass if you survive a school shooting. My goodness, I, I did not know that. Yeah. I thought you said, like, school shooting as in he was on the school shooting team. No, no, he was uh, in this uh, the primary school he was at. There was a massive massacre um, in the 90s, and he was there when it happened. So, um, yeah, I 
I think it's Dunblane. Um, yeah, so I think he gets a life pass for being yeah, an asshole. Yeah, I'm going to agree with that. Very dark for our Easter week, and I had no idea. There you go. A little yep. bit more news about Andy Murray. Now, Erin, I know this is a topic that we could talk about forever and ever and ever, but I really want to get to some AFL because I know that you're just itching to talk about what's happened and what's coming up this week. Oh, I'm excited. All right, so we'll take a quick break, and then we'll come back and talk about some other sports. just the best time of the year there's just so much sport happening everything's going on it wouldn't be a podcast without a little bit of rugby union talk good morning jill scanlon how are you i'm very well thanks mary how are you very well thank you thanks so much for joining us on an easter long weekend i hope you're eating a hot cross bun as you're podcasting I won't I won't chew while I'm talking to you, but there are hot cross buns in the house. I will tell you that. <laughs> Excellent. So, Jill, I thought we'd just start off quickly. Can you just tell us what's coming up next in the World Rugby Sevens for the men and the women? Uh, yeah, very, very big fortnight coming up as of in about two weeks' time. Um, both teams are playing double headers and both are doing it on the same fortnight, which wow. is rare. Um, yeah, so the women are heading to the Americas. They're going to North America. They've got uh, Atlanta, and then that will be followed close the week after by in uh, Langford in Canada. That's the, that's the only time they do a doubleheader this season, obviously. It's only a five-round season. Mm-hmm. Um, mathematically, and I was talking to the coach, Tim Walsh-Junik, mathematically the women could really um, – <laughs> They could seal this, you know, in mathematically they could seal the series on this fortnight. Excellent. But, you know, we're not going to underestimate the England, uh, the uh, Canadians and the New Zealanders, but they're in a very good spot and they will be looking to put their stamp on it. Uh, Tim's quite keen on this round. But it's, like I say, there's a lot that could crop up for the women, so it's going to be a really interesting uh, interesting fortnight to watch for them. On the same fortnight, the men are heading to Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. We're off to Hong Kong um, week after next and followed very closely by Singapore, which is the new destination. Last year it was Tokyo. Tokyo are now not hosting it. Singapore is the second leg of that Asian round. Um, Hong Kong's always an icon of the seven series, of the you know seven circuit, and uh, everybody goes. The city goes nuts. It's a really special event, so everyone wants to play Hong Kong. And it's going to be interesting for the men because uh, they're supposedly taking a couple of different players, and there are a couple who aren't going now that were going. So they're looking to... I guess follow up what their great performance this year has been so far in uh, Sydney and further in, in Vancouver and in Vegas. Now, Jill, can I ask you about one of those new faces that might be appearing mm-hmm. in Hong Kong? Now, it's one of my favourites. David Pocock is rugby player of the podcast. No one will ever dismantle him from that position. But another one that I love is the honey badger, Nick Cummins, who (laughs) completed his first training session with the Rugby Sevens team this year. Now, I know a couple of weeks ago, we spoke a little bit about Quade Cooper and him sort of coming into the team at the last minute. I think Nick Cummins can sort of be likened a little bit to that as well, even though he did play Rugby Sevens, it was six years ago, so it's been a little while. He's been on holidays in Europe, so there are questions over his fitness. Um, But on the other side of that, there's an injury concern in the Rugby Sevens team, so there might be a position for Nick to to sort of slot right in. What do you think? Do you think Nick Cummins will run out, Jill? I, I honestly, think, well, I think it's yeah, it's there. It's twofold. I think he will run out. He'll get certainly some minutes on the field. I'm anticipating it will be interesting to see um, how Andy Friend uses him because I think they've signed him up. They, it was one of the big names they signed. They look forward to it. They have to give him a run. 
I think it will be interesting to see how much of a run and mm-hmm. in what capacity Andy Friend uses them, especially in Hong Kong. It's a very big event. The stadium is packed. I'm going to be there. It's oh, going to be great. I'm, I went last year for the first time, and it's a magnificent tournament, and it's really worth going. But their stadium, it's a wonderful stadium. It's packed with people, so it adds a lot of pressure, and everybody's very aware of how significant the Hong Kong tournament is just for its status. So, you know, he's not he he's not an unfamiliar with a big crowd and the roar and everything, but um, I just think I'm just going to be curious to see how Andy Friend uses him. Andy Friend's come out and said in the last couple of weeks that given the way the Sevens unit has played, the men's sevens team has played over the last three tournaments and they've done brilliantly well. Um, it's mainly been the core guys. And it, these are the guys who have been playing there for years and since, you know, the, the core members who have been playing since they were 18 who know each other and play well as a unit, they're the ones who have stepped up for the most part over these last three successful outings. And Andy Friend has come out and said, I expect to be able to stick with these guys heading to the Olympics. I'm still open to see what everyone else can do. I want us, we're currently sitting fourth in the World Series rankings. He's, if, if we finish third, I'm not looking outside the core group. That's it. But I'm still willing to see who's on offer. So he's not shutting the door on anyone. Henry Spate, even despite his injury, still has a chance. There are still, you've got to remember, there's also still core members of the men's team from the court, like as part of the core group that are there now, who are on the sidelines with injuries from pre season mm-hmm. and during the season. So they're still waiting to come back in and they're very highly qualified to rejoin the team and add some depth. So it's a bit of a juggling game at the moment. I think as long as the guys can keep some success going, Andy Friend's going to use the, these next couple of tournaments, especially Hong Kong and Singapore to just see what he can play with. I I honestly expect Nick Cummins to get some minutes. I don't know how many. I think he looks at, in comparison to Quade Cooper, I think they'll look at the Quade Cooper experiment and think perhaps they erred there, would be my opinion, in terms of how much they used him, how many minutes they gave him, but they had to give him some. Whether they do the same thing with Nick Cummins will be interesting. Nick Cummins does have a history in seven. He has played for Australia in sevens before. So. Yeah, well, I'll be watching to see whether Nick runs out. He's one of my favourite players, but those lineups will yeah. be interesting. Now, Jill, let's move away. We'll, we'll move yep. away from rugby sevens because there's also a mm-hmm. lot happening in you know the Super Rugby competition. The first thing that I mm. wanted to mention was that Brumby's chief Michael Jones has been stood down this week um, following a radio interview where he was quite critical of the club's finances. I sort of had no idea that the Brumbies were struggling financially. I think I've just been watching them a little bit too much on the field and not focusing on what's going on behind the scenes. I don't think any of us had any perception. I think it's as you say, you you think the Brumbies, you think Canberra, always been a good team and Mm -hmm. you think it doesn't occur to you that they might actually be a a team that is struggling administratively and financially. I think the Michael Jones thing is interesting this week. Obviously all a lot of legal stuff going on. He's supposedly been reinstated after taking out an injunction. So there's a lot of backroom fighting. I think Bill Pulver came out this week and said that they've had a close look a very quick but close look in in the you know aftermath of what Michael Jones said last week at the books at the Brumbies they're quite confident they're financially fine that if they had to pay him out they'd be able to afford it the ARU doesn't have to bail them out now he may very well be just doing a bit of damage control but he's come out and Bill Paul has come out and said he thinks they're fine financially that doesn't seem to be the issue necessarily there seems to be an awful lot of politics and division and a lot of things going on behind the scenes, both internally and with external parties that they've had dealings with. And this is, 
a lot of what I've heard this week seems to be not only those surprised at those revelations, but surprised at the fact that Michael Jones chose to make those revelations out of nowhere in a radio interview last Compl- weekend. So Compl- it's, it's an open, it's a, I was just going to say it's a complete soap opera, which is what we love about sport, but it's really just thrown everyone for a loop this week. So I honestly think the next couple of weeks will be interesting. Stephen Moore's come out and said, luckily, they're playing in South Africa. They're trying not to pay any attention to it, and they're trying to just perform on the field. I completely agree. So for me, it'll be interesting to see um, how the Brumbies cope on the field following all the backroom fighting that seems to be going on on with the club. The one last thing I wanted to ask you though, Jill, is do you think the Waratahs can bounce back following a disappointing start to the season? Please say yes. (laughs) Yes, Mary. Yes, they can. I'm sure they can. I won't mention that I think I've tipped the Reds this weekend. That's okay. That's all right, Jill. only because the Reds have got got a couple of key members coming back in as well. Look, I honestly think the um, the Waratahs, um, I think they're not doing too badly. I think they're showing something of what they can do. Supposedly, um, I think it's Bernard Foley is one of the keys. He's he's rumoured to be coming back in. Mm-hmm. So you know that that may very well make a difference for them um, with all the talk that's been going on. I would I hope they actually. I hope they actually have a um, have a win and and get back into it. Um, it. I think it's going to be well close to the match of the weekend. There certainly will be a lot of interested people watching tomorrow night. But um, like I say, I've tipped the Reds, but I could, mainly also because it's a home game and they're getting back Liam Gill and I think James Hall or possibly. But Bernard Foley on the other side with the Tars. I think the Tars are going to. I don't think they're as bad as people are worrying that they are. I think they're actually going to kick back in. Maybe it's just been a slow start to the season and they're getting themselves organised. Well, fingers crossed we see a Waratahs win. Uh, Jill, we might leave it there because I've got someone in the studio that is dying to talk about AFL. So we'll take a quick break and come back and talk some AFL. And AFL season is now officially back. I've got a very excited Erin in the studio with me. I'm in my happy place. She sure is. Now, I thought we'd do, we'd start off by doing a quick mention of the women's competition. I know we spoke about that last week, but uh, there have been a couple more details released this week. So here's what we sort of know. There's going to be eight teams, uh, one from WA, South Australia, New South Wales and Queensland. Players from Tasmania and the ACT are going to be allocated to New South Wales and then they're going to be four teams from Victoria. It's going to be a six to eight week season. I'm not sure whether six to eight games makes a season, but look, that's okay. Six to eight week season with the finals in Feb and March. Each club's going to have a playing list of 25 and two marquee players and they'll all be signed to one year contracts. Um, And now applications are open to the AFL member clubs to bid for a license. There'll be, you know, eight teams and hopefully one game televised. Erin, what are your thoughts, briefly? Um, mixed. Yeah. Uh, excited to see talk about pay. Mm-hmm. Um, very happy with that. Glad that the AFL Players Association is getting involved. Um, I don't think it's a long enough season. Um, and I think what we've learned from Women's Big Bash is the best way to go is go all in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like it's a, it's kind of just dipping its, they're just dipping their toe in the water. Um, also footy is a winter game. I don't like playing it in February, March. A bit weird. Um, I think it would be much better to, even if you had a short season in the middle of the season, Mm. um, to more closely align with the men's comp. 
And then um, you can use the men's comp as well. So there was a lot of talk last year about double headers in the WBBL and the BBL because one of the things about Big Bash is that it's three hours and if you add another game, it's six hours. But I think that people enjoyed going to the double headers and to not even have that option for the AFL, I, I don't know. And that's the thing that I think where the, there would be great advantage in having the men's and women's next to each other. Of course, not everyone is going to show up for the three-hour men's game. Mm. They're going to come for both. But for a substantial number of people, they would. Absolutely. Um, I certainly would love to get out there and, and watch the women pretty regularly. Um, so I, I am a bit disappointed, but there are some some exciting things there. And uh, it would be remiss of me not to mention that there's going to be a GWS women's versus Swans women's exhibition game um, ahead of the uh, clash against the two clubs on the 9th of April. Um, And the two American girls who got uh, recruited um, earlier this year uh, will both be there, one playing for each of the teams. I'm putting it into my diary straight away. Now, we've already had one game this weekend. Now, Erin, I'm going to ask the most important question of all. Was there Daryl Braithwaite at this game? There was. Excellent. He was not, however, on television. Which on, is very upsetting. On the Fox coverage. Because The Horses is one of my favourite songs of all time. And also the actual live horses that they had originally planned were not there. Also very disappointing. Now, Jill, can I ask you what your thoughts were on that game? Um. I, I will declare myself a Carlton supporter and a traditional <laughs> attendee at the first game of the first round on the Thursday night every year. Um, and we went along, um, family and friends, and had a great night. And honestly, I was actually very, very pleased with the game. I know we lost, and that's that was actually fine. I was actually pleased. I expected – I wasn't anticipating a lot out of Carlton – um, it was more of a test case for me. So I was actually expecting to be beaten and I was expecting to lose significantly. And, but what I was more impressed about was the way Carlton played. I actually enjoyed watching them play and I haven't been able to say that for a very long time. And can I just say I'm a lifelong Carlton supporter, so I've seen many games. And, and, and look, there um, was... It's been a dim few years. Look, there was a lot to uh to be excited about, I think, for Carlton fans. Patrick Cripps is a phenomenal player. Um, the way he stood up, I really think he's taken it to the next level already this year, and I think it's going to be a, a great season for him. And Jacob Wattering on debut um, with yeah. 18 disposals was just fantastic. Uh, first round in the draft, was... first pick in the draft last year, uh, and just a yep. really talented player. Yeah, my daughter is a big fan of, um, you know, similar age age groups, so big fan of Wietering and Patty Cripps and, and everything. I was very impressed with um, Wright, Matthew Wright, I think, who yeah. kicked three goals on the night. Um, I'm trying to think where he's come from. Um, but he, he was brilliant on the night. He did very, very well on the night. And the other thing I think needs to be said is that um, Mark Murphy's been reappointed as Carlton captain. He comes in for a lot of criticism. I'm not quite sure why, whether it's about his leadership skills or quality, but he gets on with the job. He played an excellent match. He made some mistakes, but he played an excellent match on Thursday night. He played no pre-season matches due to injury, so he's had no match practice for a couple of months. And he but- went in, he played the whole game, and he played well. But I do think we do have to talk about Richmond, um, who were the winners on the day. Uh, Dusty Martin was a f- was fantastic. He's such a strong player. Um, and Jack Revolt, who always looks a little bit lost out there on the field, uh, seemed to do okay once he got the set shots, but uh, in play, not so much. 
he started slowly. I thought one of the interesting things was, um, and one of the things that was slowly slowly emerged on the evening was that Trent Cotchen, who is always a star for them, he always gets you know well in the high twenties in terms of touches. He had like one touch in the first in the first half, I think, and certainly in the first quarter. He was missing in action in the beginning of the game. And I think if he had had one of his normal full-on games, maybe the result would have been quite different. So I thought that was really interesting. There was a lot of comparisons going on between the two captains. Um, I think also Richmond, and they and we were with Richmond supporters, friends and family, and that was a mixture of us. And um, they're just... They're just so paranoid. They're so it's like, no, no, we're going to lose. We're going to. We always do this. We're going to, even when they were ahead, like with five minutes to go, it was like, no, something's going to happen. We're going to lose. You know. And, Look, I've seen was, I've seen Richmond lose from being ten points up with a minute to go. So I can understand a little bit of their of their fear. Can we yeah. please talk? Was, uh, I'm oh, sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say I'm sick of talking about Victorian teams now. <laughs> I want to talk about the Sydney teams. <laughs> Um, can I just bring up that both Sydney and GWS are in action this afternoon and yes. there was big news to come out of the Giants this week with Cullen Ward re-signing for five years. That'll sort of mean that he'll play, he'll finish his career at the GWS Giants and I'm just a big fan. So it's very exciting. The other exciting thing for Swans fans is that uh, there's going to be um, that we've got three players on debut today. Um, so that's pretty exciting to see the the new kids out there. Excellent. Well, look, plenty of AFL chat, plenty of NRL chat, plenty of rugby union chat. We might wrap it up there um, and we'll come back and finish off the show. And it's been another really big show today. Thank you so much for coming in, Aaron, on the Easter long weekend. Thanks for having me. And just a reminder that From the Outer, uh, edited by Nicole Hayes and Alicia Sometimes, in which I have a chapter, is out this week at all good retailers. Woohoo. I'll be sure to be purchasing a copy. And Erin, I hope you sign that copy for me. Of course I will. Excellent. Now, the other thing I wanted to mention was make sure you subscribe and leave us a rating and review on iTunes. I promised that I would read out our 10th review on air. So here we go. Uh, it's called Loving Ladies Who League. Uh, could this be any more awesome? Hashtag impossible. Mary is a spectacular presenter and wonderful host for this podcast. The episodes have been captivating and relevant since the get-go. Keep up the good work. Ladies who league, more like ladies who are legendary. Love it. I love that review. I could read it over and over again. I hope you all have a wonderful Easter and a fabulous long weekend. You've been listening to Mary Kay from Ladies Who League. And just to finish off, we've got a song from Dennis Carnahan to take us out. One is the lowest whole number that you'll ever see. Two is always more than one. Greg's team was down by two, so he needed three, yeah. Experience he's ever known. Yes, the Terry Lammers experience, but Terry kicked the goal. One is the lowest whole number, but Greg needed two. So a field goal might be a blunder as the siren blew. Was no good anyway. The kick 
was flagged away He wished he'd spent less time in under nines and past the grave 